Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about bed rest. Being placed on bed rest can come as a great surprise because while preparing for birth, very few moms even think about the possibility of it happening. When is bed rest recommended and how can you make the most of it? Today, I'll be talking with Darlene Turner about this and more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by the first eight days of being a mom, a day-by-day manual on taking care of the new mom as well as her newborn. Get a 10% discount by going to thefirst8days.com slash birthful. That's with the number eight, thefirst8days.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mamas and mamas-to-be. And today, I'm going to start out by giving you an enormous thanks to all of you who have listened and downloaded uh, this podcast. The response to the show has been incredible, and it fuels me with energy to do these episodes for you every week. And now I have an, a favor to ask of you. Even if you don't listen directly through iTunes, it would be super helpful if you could go there and subscribe so that the show gets placed in front of more moms, gets becomes more visible. And um, that would be extremely helpful to us. And while you're there, if you feel like leaving a review, I will be eternally grateful to you. Okay, so getting back to the topic at hand, today I'm really excited and honored to be talking to Darlene Turner about bed rest because unlike her, this is something I know very little about. In 2001, Darlene found out firsthand how hard it can be to find information and support for high-risk pregnant women when she herself was put in this category for her first pregnancy and then again for her second pregnancy in 2006. Being a health and wellness coach, exercise instructor, and perinatal fitness instructor, she decided to do something about it. In 2009, she developed and launched Mamas on Bedrest and Beyond, where she dedicates much of her time to creating a one-stop shop for pregnant women on prescribed bedrest, where they can find information, support, resources, and a kindred community. She also produced Bedrest Fitness, which is an exercise DVD of modified prenatal exercises for pregnant women on prescribed bedrest. And just last Mother's Day, she published an ebook called From Mamas to Mamas, The Essential Guide to Surviving Bedrest, which is available on Amazon. So check it out. Darlene's vision and mission is to change the experience of high-risk pregnancy. Rather than the doom and gloom, anxiety, and worry often associated with high-risk pregnancies, she strives to make the mamas and bedrest experiences so pleasurable that they become the envy of low-risk pregnant mamas. I love that. Darlene, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good, good. So happy to have you here on the show. Thank you. Yeah, let me say how much I love your mission because indeed bed rest does get to does tend to get a doom and gloom stigma, bad rap. Uh, it, it well, it it's well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pleasurable thing. You know, it's so hard because so many people think, gosh, I would love to lay around all day. And you know, your first day or two, it's okay. By the end of the week, you're ripping your hair out. And it's just difficult. I mean, there are women who are on bed rest anywhere from two weeks to 20 weeks to 30 weeks. I mean, for a large chunk of their pregnancies. And it's really, really difficult. 
So tell me a little bit about why would somebody be placed on bed rest? Well, it's really interesting. And I want to kind of couch my comments in that bed rest is something we've been using as a tool and, and, you know, it's a therapeutic tool supposedly to help women have, you know, full-term pregnancy stuff. And it is not evidence-based and it's kind of was started as uh, well, we don't know what to do, so we're going to do this. And it's just kind of persisted. So there is actually a call right now by a lot of physicians and researchers to stop the practice. So it's a very interesting time and, you know, bed rest saga, if you will. But what has been the more common reasons for women going on bed rest, first and foremost, is they go into preterm labor. And that's labor anytime before 37 weeks of pregnancy. Um, You know, even between 37 and 39, the goal is always to get the babies close to 39 to 40 weeks as possible. So anytime before that, you're risking, you know, incomplete lung development, any brain function development, um, motor skill development. So, you know, we always want to get the child to as far along in the pregnancies, close to 39, 40 weeks as possible. When a mom has preterm labor, that can be the result of an incompetent cervix or cervix starts opening before it's time, um, placenta previa, um, high, you know, dangerously high blood pressure, um, dangerously uncontrolled gestational diabetes, um, preeclampsia, you know, any of these other issues that are not well controlled and are putting mom and baby's health and lives at risk. One of the things they try is to put mom on bed rest to see if they can keep her calm, keep her relaxed, if you will, and see if they can get those situations under control and stable. So that's the reasoning behind bed rest. It's just that to date, they've not found that bed rest does anything. You know, I mean, some women will say, well, I went to term and it's like, well, who's to say you wouldn't have gone to term anyway? It's a tough call. Um, It's certainly indicated in women who are unstable, meaning, you know, their blood pressure is all over the place. Yes, of course, we have to hospitalize those women and, you know, manage their blood pressure or manage blood sugars that are just off the charts because that's a danger to the health of the mom and the health of the baby. But for an incompetent cervix, once you've placed the cerclage, do we really need to immobilize that woman? There's nothing right now saying that that does anything. They know the cerclage helps, which is a surgical stitch in the cervix, keeping it closed. But we don't know. There's nothing saying that bed rest. And so the idea behind the bed rest then is for some moms, it helps them carry out practices that would be what helped. So it's not actually the bed rest necessarily that's helping them, but the being calm um, or having better nutrition or being better monitored, those things. That's the thought. And uh that's, that's the big controversy right now. The initial thought was, okay, if a woman's blood pressure is high, for example, We'll put her on bed rest. She'll rest so her blood pressure will go down, but that wasn't what showed out in the data. Um, you know, a woman has an incompetent cervix. Well, let's take the pull of gravity off the cervix, have her lay down, 
And the studies have shown that whether she was up or down, the outcomes were pretty much the same. So that's why we're still, we're at this point of, hmm, should we be doing bed rest? And that's what, there's a huge discussion going on right now in the maternal and fetal health world about this. But for now, you know, when bed rest is still used and women who ask me, I say, well, did your physician put you on it? And they say yes. And I'm like, then you need to do it. Because mm-hmm. you know, at this point, you quote unquote hire a physician to take care of you and you're buying their expertise. And so what's the point of buying their expertise if you're not going to listen to it? <laughs> so, right. But so, I mean, ultimately, like anything related to birth, the moms are in charge of their choices and their decisions. So what are some good questions that a mom could ask her physician to determine if this is right for her? Oh, excellent. This is my favorite topic. <laughs> because I always, <laughs> Yay. Well, I always say to mamas, you know, they'll say, oh, my doctor put me on bed rest. And I'll say, okay, well, what, what was the reason? And you, you can't believe the number of women that can't tell me why. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why would you do something that you don't know why you're doing it for? So always ask, what is the diagnosis? I mean, it seems so elementary, but many women don't ask. So ask, is it because my blood pressure is high? Is it because you know, the placenta is right over the cervix, which is placenta previa. Is it because, you know, ask specifically why they are putting you on bed rest and then ask them specifically what they hope is the probable outcome. And of course they'll say, well, we're going to have you have a healthy baby, but get more specific. Say, are you using this to see if you can lower my blood pressure, for example, or are you using bed rest to see if, This will help my cervix lengthen because we know that that can happen in some women that given the right amount of rest and non-inflammation on the cervix, that the cervix will lengthen back and stay closed. You know, I say to women, be very specific. Ask your physician what what the diagnosis is, why they think that bed rest is going to help, how they think bed rest is going to help. And then if there are anything that you can do or things that you shouldn't do, to facilitate the process. Okay. okay. Yeah, very good. Um, so, but going back to your first comment, are there res- is, is are there research studies being done to try to figure out, to make it, you know, to see if it's, because you say right now it's not evidence-based. So can we tell, is there something going on right now that will help us determine if it's going to die or if it indeed helps? Well, uh, if, if bed rest is going to die, is that what you're... Asking? Yeah, if the practice is just going to... Because of the, the controversy and not really having scientific um, data that shows that it works, will it just go away? Well, no, it's not going to just go away like that. But what I do see happening, and which I find really exciting, is in the time that I've been going through my pregnancies and then doing Mamas on Bed Rest and Beyond and everything there has been this surge of research into high-risk pregnancy because what's been happening kind of on the global scene, here we are, the U.S. with the highest gross domestic product of the world. So we've got buku, buku, buku money, and we have some of the worst outcomes, I mean, worse than some developing nations. So everybody's been going, whoa, wait, you know, back up the train here, what's going on? And the World Health Organization, Amnesty International, um, I mean, just tons of 
world global organizations have started to say, well, then why is that? Why is it that you spend so much money on healthcare in your country? You don't have a social, you know, socialized medicine, you know, people are paying and everything. Why are your birth outcomes so bad? So what's happened over the last several years, the National Institutes of Health, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and hordes of other, you know, organizations and foundations have been looking at this and what's emerged are varying treatments for the specific causes of things that would put a woman on bed rest. For example, there's the fetal fibronectin test now that they can use if they feel a woman is going to go into preterm labor, you can sample the cervical mucus and see is the plug strong? Is is the cervix tightly closed? If that test comes back negative, then probably not within the next couple of weeks is she going to deliver. If it's positive, then, you know, we have a concern and then what do we want to do next? Um, there are tests now that um, some very simple urine tests are coming out where they're able to test and see if a woman's developing preeclampsia. And that's something that if we can catch that early on and treat the blood pressure, we're saving the blood pressure, we're t- saving wear and tear mom's bodies, we're saving kidney damage in mothers and the fetal development. So what I think is going to end up happening is for each thing that usually causes a woman to go on bed rest, preterm labor, and this, they're coming up with specific treatments for those illnesses, if for lack of a better word. And I think over time, each indication is going to have such a much stronger treatment plan, then bed rest will probably start rolling away. Which is fascinating, and, and yeah, I agree with you, because it seems, would you say that bed rest was a one-size-fits-all solution to a lot of problems because we didn't have information, and now that technology is discovering all these things, we can be more specific? Exactly. I think initially, well, you have to kind of look back at the history of birth. I mean, and, and you're a doula and everything. You know, you got to look back. Birth and all that stuff, that was women's work. You know, mm-hmm. think back way back to even, you know, Jesus times, you know, we had the whole red tent things. Women went off and they did their due and then they came back with a baby in their arms. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. and most of the times guys were like, works for me. I'm good with that. And then in the early 19th century, 1900s, that's 20th century, I think, in the early 1900s, when obstetrics started to become kind of a specialty in medicine, where people started to look at, and more specifically, men started looking at, well, how can we make this work? How can we, you know... How can we fix it? (laughs) How can we fix it? But what it was, not so much how can we fix it, how can we streamline it and make it fit kind of a cookie cutter thing? And as we all know, babies don't read the book. They show up when they're going to show up. They're going to come the way they're going to try and come. And that's been the push-pull. Birth is one of these things in pregnancy. It's just... It has a, a, a flow of its own. And those of us who work in the birth world are really kind of cool with, you know, it has its flow. There are things you look for that are kind of across the board. But by and large, that interplay between mom and baby is very unique. And you just have to kind of roll with it. You monitor it. You watch it. But let it flow. And I think what happened, and a lot of people think, this is not just me, when you try to fit it into obstetrics, like we're going to say that the due date is here. Well, we don't really know when the sperm penetrated the egg. So we really can't say, we can say grossly, it looks like sort of, kind of, the baby will come here. 
But, you know, we then get, well, it's this, you're two weeks late now, we need to induce. Well, were we two weeks late or were we two weeks off? (laughs) And, you know, these are the questions that are now coming into play. But, you know, pregnancy and birth, yes, a lot of people say it's the the, um, specialty of the unknown and potentially catastrophic. Absolutely. But at the same time, I think we have to be, as clinicians and researchers and what have you, more patient. Yes. And that's where I think we went wrong because you can't, well, you can, but rushing a birth is kind of disastrous. Pushing things against that flow, I think, we're seeing now the backlash of, whoa, we might have went a little too far with that Pitocin or we mm-hmm. went a little too far with this over here where there, we really have to allow that ebb and flow. And because also we don't necessarily know everything that's going on. We think we do, Absolutely. but the the pieces of it are so interconnected that when you move one, you don't know the repercussions that not only just for the birth and not only just for the mom, but for the baby's immediate health and long-term health and their sons and daughters. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're trying to find, we're tr- starting to see that it's, like you said, we maybe need to back off a little bit and treat it a little bit more reverently because there's things that we don't know about it. And I think that's been the conundrum. As much technology and everything as we have, there are just parts of this process I don't know if we'll ever really understand. Because, you know, even, you know, we everybody says, well, once a sperm goes in the egg, it does this and it divides and this. But how that really happens, really? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there are just pieces that I wonder if we will ever fully understand. And I just don't think we do. And I think we have to respect that. We have to respect nature and just say, it happens. And I don't know how it happens, but it seems to work. And and for those times when it doesn't, do what you can to support the parts that's not working. But otherwise, I think there is going to have to be this, we need to step back and, you know, let things go as they're going to go. That's right. And we also know because it's such an uncertain um, situation that circumstances can play a big factor. So that brings us back to bed rest where certain circumstances can, where we are right now, not in 10 years, not in 20 years, not in 30 years, some moms will find themselves on bed rest. Yes. So... Is all bed rest created equal or are there different levels? No, no, there are different levels. I mean, for example, when I was having my daughter, I would probably should have gone on full on bed rest, but we couldn't every time she was a cagey little thing. You know, I would have all these symptoms and I spotted and I cramp and this and that. We get to the doctor's office. She was perfect as pie. <laughs> I mean, they would hook me up and <laughs> dang thing would go wrong. And I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, and it was, it, we could never catch it on at the doctor's office. And the doctor was like, well, I really can't see putting you on bed. You know, we knew something was going on, but she, we would like walk through the door and she'd take a nap. And I was like, I can't believe you. So, you know, it, so I was on like modified activity after a while. And the doctor's like, I don't want you doing this. I don't want you doing it. But I mean, I wasn't completely cut off. And then she did show up early. But it was it was this type of thing we just couldn't catch it. Now with my son, then she was like, because we had drama when I had my daughter, 
um, it was like, okay, we're going to put you on bed rest prophylactically. And I said, well, that's not going to work because now I have this three-year-old. You know, what do I do with her all day when, you know, I'm supposed to be on bed rest? Then I was on modified bed rest, which was kind of like house arrest. Is mm-hmm. what we in the field call. So I was, you know, grooving around my house. I could go to the grocery store. I could go to my daughter's preschool to take her to preschool and pick her up. And like within this like kind of five mile radius of driving. And then I was home and that was it. Um, and then there is, you know, home full bed rest where you're home on in bed and, you know, in bed, that's the type of thing. Or in a lazy boy, because sometimes it's like, you know, some, some women will have it where they can get up twice a day, wants to go into the lazy boy, wants to go back to bed and, you know, otherwise just to go to the bathroom. And then there's full on bed rest where you're just in bed on your left side. Don't move. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. And then the highest level is hospital bed rest, usually because there is an unstable situation and you have to monitor it and, you know, be ready if that baby imminently comes. Okay. That, I'm just thinking of the different levels and what like you were saying at the beginning, after a week, I'm sure it gets really old, no matter which level you're at. It gets old. It mm-hmm. gets really old. And so, go ahead. No, that's the thing with one of the calls for, you know, reversing bed rest is because they're finding that it is hard on a woman's body, especially for women who are told to go to bed and stay on their left side. You know, they can have sore backs, sore hips. Some women have developed bed sores, skin irritations. They do note some metabolic changes. So their acid base and their electrolytes can get a little wonky. Some women lose bone, uh, bone mass, uh, density. They, you know, bone mineralization isn't happening. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that are happening to mom's body while she's just laying there. So the call being, if we're not sure that this is helping, but we do know these things are potentially harming, why are we doing this? So that's that's kind of what's going on right now. Okay. okay. And would you say that aside from the physical side effects, there's also emotional side effects? What are yeah. those? There are huge emotional side effects. Women on bed rest, uh, one in eight women on bed rest will have uh, antepartum and or postpartum depression. Um, there are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of the baby blues, which is just kind of, you're blue. I mean, you thought you were going to be pregnant. You thought you were going to your prenatal yoga and having showers and meeting with your friends and boom, you're sidelined. So there's a whole lot. There's a sense of loss. There's grief. There's, I mean, the whole emotional toll is a whole nother factor that's huge when we're talking about women in bed rest that, Again, the medical community is now just kind of going, ooh, that's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest of us are going, yes, we've been saying this is not good for a really long time. I've got the tears to prove it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, a lot of these women, some of them will go on to have, you know, major postpartum depressive situations, which then impacts the baby because she's not bonding with the baby. She doesn't want to nurse the baby. And it, I mean, it can have far-reaching ramifications. For sure. Um, one of the things that when thinking about the topic came into my mind was also like, I guess is what where I would react would be a sense of guilt of mm. I'm doing, you know, my body's not working is my body that's messing things up. 
Um, does that come up a lot? It comes up a lot. And I spend a lot of time speaking with women about that. The first thing everyone has to realize, nothing, well, I won't say nothing. I mean, if you're smoke, smoking, we do know, puts a woman at increased risk for bed rest. And, you know, if you're doing drugs, so, okay. But by and large, 99% of the women who end up on bed rest had, have done nothing wrong, have no there was no indication, there was no way anyone could have known that they would go on bed rest. There was just no way to know. And the other thing I say to women is, you know, especially for women who it's their first time being pregnant, if you have never been pregnant before, we don't know how your body's going to react. So there's no way for us to know and to be able to say, oh, this is going to happen. Unfortunately, it happens. And then we know, oh, you get high blood pressure when you get pregnant, you know, because there's no way to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you are placed on bed rest, how can you make the most of it? Well, excuse me. Um, (laughs) Is that the puppy? (laughs) Yes. Sorry about that. Um, I tell women, first and foremost, you want to establish a routine because Otherwise, you're going to find yourself sleeping at all kinds of weird times of the day, and then you can't sleep at night. So have a time where you get up every day. Have a time where you go to bed. And give yourself a bit of a schedule. You know, have things that you do. You know, in the morning, I do stretches. In the midday, I write letters to people, or I knit, crochet, do needlepoint, do puzzles, do, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do. Um, Some women are able to work from home or from their beds, so they work, but... Um, you know, have some certain specific things that you do set up if you can with friends and family, a visitation schedule, like, you know, a couple times a week, have someone come in and see you to visit because the stir crazy thing is by and large, the biggest problem for women on bed rest. They are like, I was ready to just slam myself against the wall. They are so bored. And so the interaction with people is critical. So if you can set up where people are going to come and to visit, that is huge. And it's also very important because I find it's kind of a marriage saver because what happens is, you know, a woman's on bed rest. She might be home. She's home all day. And her husband comes home and she's like, hi, honey, how are you? And she like devours him because she's been so, she's been so starved. I'm sorry, honey. She's been so starved of, you know, contact that she's like, hi, honey, how are you? How was your day? And he's just like, I can't do anymore. And he, he did the grocery shopping. He picked up the kids after school. He's done. So if you can have some other people who can entertain you and talk with you and let you emote it, because it's a lot to place on one person who is your partner to, to kind of not only take on his job, your home help with the home responsibilities and then amuse you. It's, it's a lot. This whole thing has me thinking a lot about the tips that are good for postpartum too, that you need support. You need a village. Um, you, you know, your moms get stir crazy when they're left alone or at home with the kid all day and then can't wait for the partner to get home so they can give the kid <laughs> to them. It seems there's a lot of commonalities. Yes, I'm sorry. Is your puppy? No, you got to. The puppy's part of the podcast, so you got to tell us a little bit about the puppy. Well, this is my little black lab. He's a, he's a black lab puppy, 
and he's seven, he's seven months, 65 pounds, and wanting me to play with him. Uh-huh. He's got lots to say, too. He's got his own opinions on bed rest. He's here, and you should be talking to me, not... And see, I think because he sees me talking, but he doesn't see anyone, he's like, what is that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he's, um, you know, a little excited right now, but... Um, but yeah, that's you're exactly right, and I think a, a huge component of why you know I do what I do because women need that outlet. You need, and you also need to be able to interact with other people who know what's going on. So when people come to say our Facebook page, or if I'm doing a Q and A session or something, they know no one on that call is going to laugh. No one on that call is going to say, "Oh, that question's stupid," because probably everybody else on the call had the same question mm-hmm. at, one, at one time or another. And, you know, it's, it's that shared camaraderie that's good. Um, but just in general, having people visit, having your girlfriends come over and make you laugh. I mean, you've got to laugh because otherwise you will go crazy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you will go absolutely insane. And like you're saying, blame yourself. What's wrong with me? I'm broken. Nobody, none of my friends had this happen. Why is this happening to me? And Yeah, lots of that. Lots and lots and lots of that. What would you say is there, uh, we've talked lots of it and I think we've covered a lot of ground on that, um, but is there an, some clear misinformation on the topic that we didn't get to or something else you wanted to add regarding bed rest? No, I think, I think the first thing is, you know, people think it's so easy. It is not. And so many women have told me, and it just breaks my heart, like that maybe they broke down crying or something. And, you know, a friend or a family member is like, why are you crying? You know, just be, be glad you have a healthy baby. But there's so much emotional stuff that goes into this whole situation. People don't realize that you're, you were so on target with your question of women feeling like they're broken, that they did something wrong. And, you know, a lot of what I do is telling women you did nothing wrong. You know, I had one woman, I shouldn't have worked. It's like, well, why not? You know, how are you to know? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there's no way to know with most of the conditions that cause a woman to be prescribed bed rest. There was, you know, who knows? You have an incompetent cervix until you get pregnant. You know, there's just no way to know. And so, you know, we have to, I don't, I, I try a lot to get women to stop blaming themselves. But, you know, it's hard, I think, because people don't understand high-risk pregnancy and bed rest. And, you know, it's hard when people don't know. They don't know, and they try to offer some assistance that really isn't that helpful and, you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, and it's... And we're not, as a society, a Western society, we're really not good at asking for help and sharing our lows, you know? Well, we're not good with that. And also, I think for a lot of people, they're uncomfortable when they... I think one of the best things that people can say is, gee, I I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. You know, for people who want to help, I have no idea what you're going through. I'm here. What do you need? What can I I do? Because you, you can't necessarily fix it. You can't explain it. Many times, I mean, some of the things that happen with my daughter, there's no explanation. It's just what was. And, you know, some people say, well, you were older, you were this, you were that. There's really no explanation. I just had kind of crappy pregnancies. Mm -hmm. There there is no explanation. But 
you know, for for friends and people that came by that just were like, hey, you know, want me to run go get you some chips or something? You know, I mean, it was great because you're just like, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And for people who just crap jokes with me, you know, thank you. Thank you for that. And, you know, the, it's the company, I think, that's far more than anything else that I hear from women over and over again. Like, oh, my girlfriends came over and they decorated my bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, that goes light years beyond anything. Or, you know, it was my birthday and I didn't get to go anywhere. So they all came over, they brought a cake, they did it, you know, or they came over and they did my toenails. I mean, huge. <laughs> These are huge things that, you know, as a friend, you might think, oh, I brought over like a $2 bottle of nail polish and I painted your toenails. When you're on bed rest, that is like sending me to sandals in Jamaica. <laughs> you need to understand how how good that can make your friend feel. You get showered with love. Exactly. And and just when you're and usually it almost always happens on a day when you are at your end. You are just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm awful, I'm horrible, and you've cried your eyeballs out, and then that friend comes over and just just, you know, showers you with love. And, and it just, it's, it's the best, best, best thing. Yeah. And, and we, anybody loves that. So especially if you're homebound, I, it can mean so much more. Yeah. There was one, th- so that we didn't touch upon and I just thought about is the exercise part, the move, because we all know that movement is something that's so recommended for pregnancy. So, and this is your speciality. Um, do you have one exercise that you could share with us? Well, I mean, I think when I think of women on bed rest, I usually think of um, deep venous thrombosis or, you know, blood clots in the legs just because you're sitting and because of the way the pregnancy, the big belly is clamping down on the legs, you know, you kind of get in that kink in the water hose, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I always mm-hmm. tell people, you know, you're laying there in bed, point and flex your toes, circle your ankles, bring your knees in and out, move your legs out. And a lot of just to start, keep sending that head, keep things moving, because otherwise your blood's going to pool in the lower extremities. And that's when... Things can clog and plug and clot and, you know, all sorts of unpleasantries can happen. And it's very easy. I mean, you don't need any equipment. You don't need to do anything. Sit there, flare your toes, squeeze them together, flare your toes, squeeze them together, point your toes, flex your toes. But, you know, but things that just stimulate those lower leg muscles are, um, are what I would tell women. If, you know, if you have nothing else, sit there and wiggle your toes and circle your ankles bend and extend your knees, maybe open and close your legs just to get, keep that blood flowing and coming back up to the heart. Thank you. (laughs) So fabulous. So I know you do a lot of stuff and mamas are are going to want to know more of how to reach you and contact you. What, how can they do that? Um, Best way to contact me is probably via my website, which is www.mamasonbedrest.com, and that's M-A-M-A-S on bedrest.com. Um, they can email me, info at mamasonbedrest.com, and I answer all my emails. So, um, you know, they can shoot me an email. Um, there's also a Facebook page, Mamas on Bedrest and Beyond. I think if you go to Facebook and key that in, we'll come up. 
join our community, hang in, chat with the other mamas on there. Um, but yeah, any of those ways are absolutely great. Actually, virtually like this is definitely the best way to catch me because I'm in and out all the time. And, you know, but I always check my email and always check the Facebook page. Just kind of check in, see what the moms are doing, see who's talking about what and kind of what's going on. Fantastic. Thank you so, 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 so much. Oh, and wait, you also have a podcast. Plug your your podcast. Well, my podcast isn't as regular as yours. I do my podcast kind of topically because um, my blog is more regular. I do a weekly blog, and occasionally I will come across a really interesting person or topic, and then I will do a podcast interview. So I'm not as professional. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not good at writing every week, so this is easier to me. (laughs) Um, I do them when I want to bring in, like, an expert, or sometimes I'll interview one of the moms. And, you know, she's done something really interesting. I'm like, other moms need to hear about this. And I'll, I'll do a podcast with her. But um, we do a podcast right on the website. And, um, you know, it's mamasonbetters.com slash podcast. And we have, we've had some really interesting people come through and talk. And like, just like you're saying, there's some amazing people doing incredible work for birthing women and babies. And, you know, sometimes it's like you just wouldn't even think to run into these people. So when I see people like that, it's like, oh my God, can you please come on? Or um, right now I'm working on doing um, a Q&A call with a physician from the Society of Maternal and Fetal Medicine because he's talking about the progesterone injections that a lot of women receive while they're on bed rest to um, keep them from going into preterm labor. So, you know, when I can get someone like that, it's, it's huge because I'm hoping we will be able to do a Q&A with him. And if not, what I'm going to have women do is send me their questions and I'm going to field them because I may have to talk with him, you know, at a time other than our regular Q&A. But, you know, to be able to have an expert like that to just weigh in and give his perspective is like amazing. So, but yeah, I don't do, I'm not as regular as you are. <laughs> All right. But you have, but they live on forever. They're always there. So mamas can go and while they're lying in bed, listen and gather and get all that information. They can listen. They can read. They can also go to YouTube. I have bunches of YouTubes. I don't even know how many now. I've been doing YouTube videos for years, some of with bed rest exercises, some with product reviews, some with just topic reviews. So, you know, however you want to learn, if you want to read, if you want to watch, if you want to listen, it's available on my website or through YouTube or Facebook. Beautiful. Thank you, Darlene, so much for being on the show today. And I will go check out your your ebook, uh, From Mamas to Mamas, The Essential Guide to Surviving Bed Rest. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Oh, thank you so much, Adriana. It was fun. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter. And even better, become a part of the Birthful community by subscribing at birthful.com. You'll get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive goodies. Lots and lots of goodies. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to Christy Sedrosny about getting the help you need after the baby is born here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks for listening. 
Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening.